Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Tag Team Podcast, and now we are in double digits with our episodes. Welcome to episode 10, and today we want to talk about how awful we were on our last podcast in regards to our NCAA tournament picks. We fucking reeked like a baby's diaper. (laughs) So awful. Yeah, so this is the Tag Team Podcast with Anthony Tartaglione, myself, and my brother Johnny Tartaglione. Uh, for you guys who have never watched our, sh- our podcast before or listened in, uh, this is the first one. Listened? Yeah. Th- yeah. Well, yeah, listen. Fucking, you're on Spotify. But if you've never listened in before, uh, we are a sports podcast, entertainment podcast, and a lifestyle podcast all in one. It's just how we are as brothers and just the fucking stupid shit that goes on in our lives. And also we talk about what's going on in the world. Uh, this is episode number 10. I'm super, super fucking excited we got here. I can't believe... That uh, it's already episode ten because uh, you know these things are uh, these things are fun to create and uh, <laughs> you talked about how shitty our fucking picks were in the uh, in the podcast and if you guys go back and you listen uh, there was actually a part uh, that I, I fucking hesitated <laughs> I hesitated to make a, to make a fucking decision on who I thought was gonna win the final four because I you know I got to that point and I was like fuck that's a good matchup. And I, I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to edit it out. But then I realized, like, the amount – throughout these first eight episodes until that ninth episode, we've given you the raw content. We've given you what has been said, you know, how our conversations go because I think that that's the best way that you guys get to get entertained by us because I love just how we speak. I don't I, I don't like to edit because it just ruins authenticity. <laughs> I just wanted to say that because my picks were shitty. And I was even fucking – the <laughs> argument I was making and sitting there thinking about was fucking dog shit because it started with where I want to start this <laughs> podcast episode in my god-awful take of the Purdue Boilermakers. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, if a team has a seven-footer, they're going to be pretty hard to beat. Loses in the first fucking round. You fucking idiot. Not only did they lose in the first round, they lost by nine fucking points. Yeah, they points. lost to fucking North Texas. And you know what's shitty about that? You know what's shitty about that, too? North Texas got their asses kicked in round two. And that, that to me, is just what bothers me. Because I'm like, damn, I really sat there and juiced up Purdue. Like, they're the goddamn 97 Yankees. And they shit the bed. Awful. Dude, you fed them formula out of a baby bottle. You were all over them. You know what, dude? Fuck you. You didn't even have confidence in your own school. That's where you fucked up. And I told you, I went over this. You were all over Bayheim's ass. You're like, Bayheim, best college basketball coach. You didn't even fucking pick them to win their first round game. After I made the argument that they were really competitive as an 11 seed. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to pick them. They're really old school. They fucking scrape SDSU in the first round. They graze by West Virginia. And you know what? They made the fucking run to the Sweet 16. Can I explain? Can I explain and how about to you? that? Can I, fuck can I you. explain to you fuck why, you. though? No, fuck no. you for not picking your own school. That's not loyalty. Is that a no? It's not. For because I'll tell right you now. why. And I want to. I want to piss uh-uh. on you. For You're that. not going to piss on me because I have a great explanation as to why. When it comes to the teams that I love, I don't. I don't hypothetically bet on them. Nor do I like to analyze them and say, "Okay, this is what I think is actually going to happen." I am a New York sports fan, a fan of the Giants, a fan of the Knicks, 
a fan of the Rangers, and then in baseball, I'm a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. And then in basketball, college basketball, I'm a fan of the Syracuse Orange because that's where I go to school. But at the end of the day, my teams consistently fucking let me down. Every single time they take the court, the field, whatever the fuck they're going to play, they consistently let me down. So as a sports fan, I hate every single time my teams are in a great game. I never think they're going to win because I am just, I don't believe in them because they've been so generationally bad. Syracuse had one good run in 2003 where they won the national title. And since then, I mean, it's just been runs. They made a run as an 11 seed a couple years ago. And then they made a run as a 10 seed. No, no, no. I'm talking. They made two runs as double-digit seeds. And you didn't pick them when they were double-digit seeds. That is not what I'm. You are wrong. You're taking this the wrong way. You you have. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about winning championships and winning big games. I'm talking about. Look at the Giants in a playoff football game to the Green Bay Packers. Fat L. Fat L. I'm talking recently. And you see that the Knicks have done nothing. The Rangers have done nothing. I'm just used to teams losing. So I have no optimism as a fan going into those games because I don't look at it as an analyst. I look at it as I'm a fan of Syracuse, so I doubt they're going to win. And that's my logic as to why I thought San Diego State, who was a great basketball team, they got outplayed because Buddy Beheim popped off. You saw what happened to Syracuse when Buddy Beheim struggled. They lost, and they got blown out. They struggled without his scoring ability. So yes, it was up to one player to stand out and win those first two games, but not to discredit Syracuse, rather to discredit my pain as a fan. And that's the reason why I didn't trust Syracuse to win in the first round. Was I happy that they won? Of course. I was I was thrilled. I was ecstatic that they won. But did I think that they were going to win? No, I was doubtful. I was doubtful. And they, you know what? They beat they shocked me. So Can thank you buddy I? for a great run. But you are wrong in the fact to come at me in the fact that I I don't think Syracuse is going to win because yeah, I didn't think that they were going to win, but that doesn't make me non-loyal. It just makes me discredited in trust because I can not trust my sports teams. They have not been good. They have not been good. Okay. Okay. Let me spit you a fact. Let me spit you on. How about the fact that before this tournament, before this tournament, Syracuse was nine and two as a double digit seed. Now nine and three because they lost. But they are nine and three as a double digit seed in the NCAA tournament. And you were bagging on me about Izzo because, oh, Syracuse beats Izzo because Beheim's a coach. I made the argument to you last podcast. And Syracuse is, yes, it's another one of your New York sports teams that's fucking, you know, me down. that gives you misery Letting every me year. Down. But, but Syracuse, but Syracuse has recently been good in the tournament as a double-digit seed. And overall, they have been good as a double-digit seed. They're not like the rest of your team, so it should have been a different but pattern. But it's different and rosters, overall, different You teams. made the argument. You're looking, you, no, this 2016, that 2016 run team, that 2018 run team, those players on those rosters are not there anymore. They're not there. They, they don't exist. It's a whole different right. team. That's what I'm trying to say to you. That's what I'm trying to say to you. It's not that it's not that I have watched Syracuse since Joe Girardas came, since Dolajayas came. I think Dolajayas is the only player that was on that 2018 team. And he was on that 2019 team that struggled and got their asses kicked by Baylor. 
And that's why I struggle to root for them because I've seen this team in tight games. I've watched this Syracuse basketball game team in tight games with this roster. And I, they make me feel like they're the Knicks or the Giants or the Rangers. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that Jim Beheim isn't that's a great fine. coach in March because he is. He's the greatest coach in March. I made that argument last week. It is two completely separate arguments. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not arguing that point. Fine, fine. Yeah, that... Uh, fine. Okay. Uh, fair. Fair. We'll agree to disagree. But I'll give you. I'll give you credit though. You did pick Houston to make the final four. That was yeah, pretty and then impressive. I, and then I, I know and then they I were sat a two there seed. Fucking grab and bit my tongue for eighteen seconds and made everybody feel like they were tense. But it was funny, so I had to leave it in. But yeah, and then I chose Purdue, and I well, fucked up, and I chose Purdue. But fucking Houston, I knew six seventeen. Not a guy over six seventeen. Those guys are physical. They can run. And grab boards. And that's the they're thing about fast. that. No, they're physical, they're fast, and they can grab boards. For a team that's 6'7", they out-rebounded yep. Syracuse. They they did so much better inside the paint. If you watch that game in the Sweet that, 16, it, they struggled a little bit against Rutgers, and that's why Rutgers got the edge and kept it tight with them, was that they struggled on the boards. Rutgers had a little bit of better ability of boxing them out and keeping them off that physical game. Syracuse really struggled with that, and they broke the 2-3 zone up sh- Quick. And the thing about Houston is is their ability to quickly score and quickly change the momentum of a game. In the last minute and a half of that game against Syracuse, Houston went on a 10-0 run like that. Boom. It was 20-20, to and then yeah. all of a sudden halftime, 30-20. And they took that lead, and they ran with it in the second half. In, in the comeback, they went on a crazy run to come back and beat Rutgers in the first place. And... You know, you look at you look at how they've done this tournament, and I just knew that that was going to be the case. And it's just that it's just a fact of the of the ability to be so physical that a lot of teams don't have that in the NCAA. A lot of teams, you know, those guys are young. Yeah. Well, that Baylor Houston matchup is going to be really fun to watch for a spot in the national title game. So I'm really looking forward to that. By the way, we're filming this podcast in the middle of the Gonzaga. USC game so we don't know the outcome of that and we obviously don't know the outcome of the Michigan UCLA game yet so we are waiting on those but I'm excited for that Baylor Houston matchup but anyways our picks fucking sucked in the first round I knew they were gonna be awful but you know what you know what you know what no I'm gonna say this I'm gonna say this I don't blame us we made the picks we fucked it up I blame the NCAA Because the NCAA fucked up with this bracket. They didn't know who the fuck was what seed. They basically just spit it out like chiclets on a piece of paper. And wherever they ended up, they ended up at that seed. They got the one seeds and the 16 seeds right. And other than that, it was a fucking shit show. Ohio State obviously didn't deserve a two seed. Tennessee fucking sucked as a five seed. Loyola Chicago was way better than an eight seed. I mean, the Pac-12 showed out. The Pac-12 got dissed with the 7 and the, the 8. The Big Ten has been seeds, awful. You know, the in Big Oregon. Ten was a joke. The Big Ten has been. UCLA was heavily underrated. Accurate. You know, you, you, you look at what's going down with these selection committees, and I said this. I said this before. I said, you know, they're playing all of the same opponents. The Big Ten is playing every single of the same teams during the year. They're not going to see, you know, a Baylor. They're not going to see a Gonzaga. They're not going to see a Florida. They're not, they're not going to see any other division, any other conferences. So you don't really know the true talent of an, of a league until they get to this stage, this tournament. And I know it's only one game. I know you can make the argument that, wow, it was really only one game. Oral Roberts played hot. But still, the Big Ten, 
sucked. Or Roberts made it to the Sweet but 16. But what I'm saying is, but what I'm saying the Sweet is, 16. is you look at the Big Ten and you can just say their competition was lackluster. It was lackluster. Every single team in the Big Ten struggled. And they had what? They had the most teams. They had nine. Rutgers, it was Rutgers and Michigan are the only two teams that actually looked credibly decent the whole tournament. And Yeah, Rutgers lost a close one to Houston. And Houston's down the final four. So that was a good game. But you know what? You and I both picked Iowa to win it all, and they made an early exit they in the made second a round. So we did a good fucking early job exit. There. And let me tell you something. Luca Garza did everything he could, like I said he would. He dropped 34 yep. points in that game. He took You know, he put the Oregon, like I said, Oregon was pure disrespected with a seven seed. And I think that's because they had a lot of games canceled, postponed during the year. But they were a lot better than the seven seed. I think Oregon should have been like a four seed. They just honestly, they played like a fucking four seed all tournament. And that game, you know, they got blown out against USC, but USC obviously has made it to the Elite Eight and they've been they're getting crushed by Gonzaga right now. But I mean it was a hell of a run by the Pac twelve. Hey, Shout out to the Pac twelve because everyone Everyone took a fat dump on them all year, and they made a good run. Hey, buddy, run. can we talk about your hot take on uh, Patrick Ewing's Georgetown making a nice little run after they got their asses blown? You know what? Don't fucking don't. In the first don't. round? <laughs> Listen, I was one of the people who was dissing the Pac-12, just like everybody else. So I would say that me picking Georgetown to make a run was a little bit better than you saying Purdue was going to make it to the Final Four. You said Purdue was going to the Final Four— and they made okay. a first okay. round. Okay, exit. what about what about what Get about, the what fuck about your, out high of here. Pra- your high praise of Illinois? What happened to that? Second. Get the yeah. fuck out of here. You know what? This goes I can defend this. Loyola Chicago was better than an eight seed. That's what it was. That's fair. That's a In fair point. Opinion. That's a fair point. I, I must say, that's a good And that's match. a tough draw. But who said that? Who That's that. Who said that? You picked Georgia Tech? You picked Georgia Tech, you I'm fuck. talking about... I'm not talking... You fucking picked Georgia Tech. I'm talking Tech. about Illinois. I'm talking okay, about Illinois you, losing in the second round. I'm not talking about Georgia Tech. You did say that. I'm talking you about did Illinois say that. being a lackluster one seed. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about Loyola Chicago. Okay. We already talked about Loyola Chicago. We're talking about Illinois being lackluster. All right. And you saying that Baylor was going to be a one seed exit. Now they find themselves playing in the Final Four. What do you have to say about that? Wait a minute. Hold on. We're gonna are we gonna ha- are we gonna hash this up again? Because I said that if Baylor loses, it's going to be to Chapel Hill. But then I later made the statement that I think Chapel Hill is going to lose in the first round of Wisconsin, no, and no, then no, Baylor will be in the final Wisconsin four. Could win. You didn't say UNC would. Win. You 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 said you liked Chapel Hill better than you liked Wisco in that game. No, I said I like Chapel Hill. To beat Baylor better than I like Wisconsin to beat Baylor. Go back and listen to it. I literally said yeah, that I, I think that. Baylor is vulnerable to Chapel Hill because of the matchup itself with the big man down low for Chapel Hill. Now, later in the podcast, I said that I thought Chapel Hill was going to beat Wisconsin and that Baylor was going to make a run to the Final Four. And in my bracket, I have Baylor in the Final Four. Now, I will admit to the fact that that I dropped a stink bomb with Oklahoma State you because I fast. made an argument for them. <laughs> I I wrote a fucking research paper on them. I was all in Cade fucking my 17 pennies. My whole goddamn bank account, 17 cents that it was. 
I had them making a run, and they made an early exit to fucking Oregon State, another Pac-12 team. So the Pac-12 teams wrecked me in this tournament. I had Georgetown beating Colorado, Pac-12. I had fucking Oklahoma State beating Oregon State. Now, I did have Oregon State winning against Tennessee. So I did mention Oregon State. That was a, that was a thumbs up for me because they obviously made a fantastic run themselves. But yeah, the Pac-12 whooped my ass. All right, I'm going to ask you this. What can I say? Favorite storyline from the tournament so far? What has been your favorite storyline? What, 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 what game or moment stood out to you so far? Well, actually, I do want to say I'll give you credit for Abilene Christian, too. You did make that 14 I was getting ready, I was getting ready to bring that up, but, but continue. I, that's what I, that was going to be my good story. You well, fucking I, jumped I, gun. I, I was getting ready to bring it up. I had this well, whole layup. No, you I had jump this in. Whole proposition in my head. I was I was working it up. I was like, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask Johnny. Well, go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead. No, no, I stole. I, I stole the ball. Explain. I'm gonna ask uh, Johnny what moments stood out to him, and then I'm gonna be like, how about those that team out in Texas, Abilene Christian? That that game made me so happy because I don't know why. I've I've always hated UT. I no offense. Look, I I Longhorn fans. I have no slander to say against the university. I'm just saying I've never liked UT as a sports team. I just, I don't know why. I just They've just always been good and just a team I've disliked, you know, growing up as a Florida fan. Um, but I was so happy to see them get that first round exit. And I was so happy um, to just see an upset that, that early in the tournament. And, you know, we saw a couple. We saw a lot of good first round uh, upsets, and those to me are my favorite parts of the tournaments. Is when you see that 15 seed win, when you see that 13 seed win. You know, it's 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 honestly one of the it's one, honestly one of the best moments. And when Abilene Christian did win, that was probably the most I was ecstatic all tournament, except for when Syracuse won their games. Well, look, props to you. I stole the ball. I gave you a fucking fast break layup, and you finished it. So, good looks to that. My favorite moment of the tournament was the Ohio State Oral Roberts game because it was the weekend of my roommate's wedding and we were at the wedding rehearsal when the game was on and it was going into OT. And at the rehearsal, we were fucking, we had the the NCAA March Madness app live in our pockets sitting there trying to pay attention to what the fuck we were supposed to be doing. And we got done with the rehearsal and we were like, yo, what the fuck are we supposed to be doing tomorrow? Because we were watching the fucking game. And I'm like, I cannot miss a 15 seed being a two seed. Like, I got to see that happen. And you know what? I didn't fuck up at the wedding. I did what I was supposed to do. I wasn't really that productive, but it was worth it. It was worth watching them. So that was my favorite moment of the tournament, just because a 15 seed made a run. Literally FGCU all over again. 15 seed to the Sweet 16. That was. I'm good really to see. hoping UCLA that made wins me pretty hype. I'm really hoping they do the Bruins. There's no shot. You really don't think so? You think Michigan's no too shot. good? No way. That just that just could be I, the, the oh, hopeful yeah. in me Miss, of you know something sweet happening, uh, you know for UCLA. I didn't think I didn't think they were going to stand a chance against Alabama. They looked great though. They were shooting the three lights out. They put them away late in that game with the three ball, you know. And if they can get, did you watch? Continue. Did you watch what Michigan did to Florida State? You made a case for Florida State to go to the oh, final four. Them up. Michigan fucking demolished yeah, they them. Dirtied them up. They literally dirtied them up, dude. They absolutely wiped ass on them. Clean. Smell ya. Didn't even leave a stain, dude. Unreal. Florida State, see ya. I mean, you know, I was really I was really hoping in the case of uh Houston losing to Rutgers because that would have set up a great uh 
bracket with you would have had a 10, an 11, a 12, and an 8 uh, in this Week 16 in the Midwest. I was I was praying the Rutgers was going to close that game out because that would have been awesome. That would have been my favorite story of the tournament. Listen, but unfortunately, that's not how it goes. And I honestly think that Houston can look. Win this I'm whole with thing. you, but Gonzaga. I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on the fact that I hope UCLA wins tonight because. I just like to see the lower seeds, but I think Michigan is the only team that has a chance to beat Gonzaga because Gonzaga, Gonzaga just finished. <laughs> yeah, nice take, you UNC, fucking idiot. USC. You were wrong about that an one. Beat down, beat him by fucking nineteen. Well, if you if you look at college USC. basketball rankings, um, Gonzaga's team statistically is one of the greatest teams of all time, of all time, statistically. Um, their efficiency is incredible. Their ability to rebound is incredible. Their physicalness in the paint, their the physicality in the paint is impeccable. They're just an all out, all around team. They can do everything. And I think that no matter what, I think they've covered the spread every single game this tournament. And I think that just goes to show you that they're a powerhouse team and they're 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 here to win the whole thing. I I got the Zags from here on. You seriously are fucking dumb, dude. Really. Gonzaga? Nice. I'm out winning. I hope this isn't a bad take. I hope we're not on the next podcast shitting on me because Gonzaga loses by 20 to whoever wins tonight. Uh, but Yeah, I was gonna ask you, so if you have if we if we pick Michigan to win later, which should happen, they're they're minus three hundred on the money line. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to Don't say don't say it's because a I'm really bad at sports betting. <laughs> I'm gonna say, you know what, I wanna see UCLA win, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Michigan's a lock. I'm going to say Michigan's locked tonight. And uh, so we're going to say the final four is Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston. So you have Gonzaga winning it all. Yeah, out of that, that group, I think I have Gonzaga um, winning it all. And I think man, that, I think that, I think cold you're takes right. Twitter I think that Baylor Houston should be renamed the Tech Team Podcast fucking fun to watch. Take. And the battle of Texas. I'm going to call it now. I think that game goes overtime. It's crazy how two teams, I think two that teams from overtime. Texas going at it for a natty championship run. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's honestly awesome. <clears throat> Shout out to Adam for thinking Gonzaga was in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were in the PlayStation party two nights ago. So Adam goes, Gonzaga, uh, it's in New York, right? Nah, Chief. Nah, uh, Chief, you were wrong about that one. Wow. You were making the argument because it was unbelievable last night. The scheduling, or the scheduling tonight is terrible. So two West Coast teams currently are playing at 9 o'clock, which would be... Well, they're done yeah, now. But, but they were playing between 7 and 9 o'clock Eastern time. They were both playing between 7 and 9 o'clock Eastern time, which would have been 4 o'clock uh, and 6 o'clock, respectively, in, in the, the West, West Coast. Coast. And two teams from the East Coast are now playing at 9.57, which... Oh, you dumbass. UCLA is in California. But what I'm so talking know. about is that the other... But two West Coast teams should have played later tonight. That's how it should have been. You're right. That That's should correct. Have been. Because That's Michigan correct. now, Michigan fans. Because now the now, now Michigan, Michigan fans, fans have to watch, to watch their, their team until midnight. midnight, and it's and it's not it's a weeknight. Yeah, you know, it's a Tuesday, and it's, it's pure thick. cheeks, pure cheeks. You know what? It's March though. I know. It's March. I know, but fuck I think it. the scheduling for these it games is really reeks, bad. I think fuck. they should have flipped them tonight. I definitely think that that would have been better for fans to watch. Personally, it would have been, but you know, the NCAA fucked up everything this year. Fuck the NCAA. For me, shitting the bed in my bracket. I think everybody's. I hope they wipe my ass with the. Dude, there was no perfect brackets after the second round. That just goes to show you how crazy this bracket was. Well, yeah, because once Oral Roberts won that game, and and once fucking, oh, once Abilene Christian won, like nobody picks those. There's 
A lot of people picked Ohio to win that game, though, just because Virginia was not good. Virginia did not deserve a no, They definitely did not. Let's they be honest. Really, definitely did not. So, who was the most who was the most disappointing team in the tournament? Texas. You say? But I think I think it was Kansas. Just because they think laid Kansas an egg was disappointing. Tuesday. Kansas they barely sniffed it out. Barely Kansas grazed, grazed out, out Eastern Washington. Can, Kansas wins by nine. Yeah, but they they didn't win that no. game by nine. They won that game by yeah, nine. You but they didn't win that game, game by nine. And close. then they get fucking obliterated. They got obliterated. But dude, they lost by thirty four points to USC. That's atrocious. You can't be a three seed and lose by thirty four points in the second round. Come on, what yeah, are you but doing? Now you look at USC. And, yeah, now USC team. just got their 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 shit kicked in. So. Poor Hunter. He just lost his last team in the capture pool. It's over for him. <laughs> um, I can't do ca- I can't do capture pools anymore. <laughs> Fuck the capture pools. I'm a loser. I lose all my teams by the fucking third round. I'm out by the. I'm out. So by I'm the gonna Sweet use 16. the word. I'm I don't gonna even get use hope. the word here. I'm gonna preface this. The capture tournament is a tournament where everybody gets. There's a certain amount of players that play, and everybody gets a certain amount of teams, and it's just based off of the spreads. It has nothing to do with who actually wins the games. It has to do with the spreads. And if you if say if the line for Michigan tonight is eight and a half, I don't know the exact line, but Michigan wins by uh, seven, then Michigan will be captured by the other person. Whoever had UCLA will capture them. So that's pretty much how a capture pool works. Yep. And the last person that, that wins the whole thing wins it all. And I had eight. I had eight teams, and I was out by the Sweet Sixteen. Out. That tells you how bad I am. Out. I lose it. I I I'm fucking I'm fucking dog shit at sports betting. I'm dog shit at the capture pool. I can't even control it. I don't even make my own picks. Just bad luck. Awful luck. I had Baylor. Baylor was favored by 25 and a half in their... They, what, what was the line in that game? Fucking 25 and a half. And they win by 24 because Hartford gets a fucking dog shit bucket at the end of the game for the backdoor cover. Unreal. And then Baylor... I think Baylor has covered every game since. Did Baylor cover last yeah, night? Yeah, they did. They did. Baylor's covered every game since. Yeah. That's unreal. So I would have had a team. I would have had a team in the final four. Except for the except for the fact that that motherfucker on Hartford had to yeah. have a layup. And I was getting ready. I was getting ready to make that point. I was getting ready to make that point to you. Um, that's a bad beat. I'm so tired of the sports world fucking me you, over. You can it's so thank, awful. It you can pisses thank me off. Vegas. Don't thank anybody else but Las Vegas because they're the ones that set the lines and they're the ones that determined how you got your shit kicked in in this capture pool. You know what? You know what? We're going to Vegas in August, and I'm coming for them. I'm fucking come. I'm coming in Thomas the Train. I'm <laughs> Thomas the Train. They better, they they better watch out for me, dude. They better watch I, out I know for me. Damn well, we're headed. First thing too is the craps table. Gotta be, gotta be craps. Yeah, I don't know. No, you're a blackjack guy. Oh, if we get into casino, we talk. We talk. No, no, you're missing the biggest thing. You're missing the biggest thing on the What's table. Sports the book. sports yeah. book. I forgot. I yeah. forgot. Yeah. What are you See, I don't about? think like that. You know what I I'm like saying? Play, I because like to play the NFL, at the tables. you're the one that you're the one that thinks straight up first thing sports betting. Yeah, eighteen parlay, <laughs> fucking plus what? Plus eleven thousand odds. I don't know. <laughs> Why not? Plus <laughs> whatever. Fuck it. Uh yeah. I, I I'm ready for that trip though. But I do want to say that. Every time I do a capture pool, I'm literally out in the Sweet 16. That's not even a question. And you asked me, you're like, yo, Venmo me 20 bucks, I'll put you in the capture pool. And I said, let me think about it. And you said, nah, you're in. 
I'm like, all right, I got a little bit of hope. Of course, I have Illinois. I have Baylor. I have I have fucking. I think I had who did I have? I had West Virginia. All losers. I had all high. See, seats. you made me look like I pressured, you, seats, which I totally was, did, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, fuck but you, yeah. dude. You knew yeah. you were just taking okay. my money. Nah. You were just taking nah. my money. No, I did not know that because everybody has an equal chance. You're making me seem like I'm a terrible guy. No, everybody has the same chances to win. And I know damn well that you love to get the opportunity to hypothetically sports bet anytime you want. You know what? I Loyola Chicago was the one team I had that gave me hope. And they shit to bet against Oregon State. Shout out to Oregon State for showing out in the tournament. They were a boring Fuck team the Pac-12. to watch, though. If you watch their games, I mean... Yeah, they won the games, but they didn't do any flashy plays, no big threes. Everything they want, they they played. Hey, was just flush basketball. Listen, they won games. Who get who gives a shit? They won yeah, games. You're right about that. They won games, right? Am yeah. I right? So, what can you do? I don't know. So, uh, yeah, just so everyone knows, our picks were dog shit. I hope yours were dog shit too. So uh, you just don't laugh at us. Uh, we would love this love to share our dog shit picks with you. Because everybody's bracket was fucked, and the NCAA screwed up this bracket so bad that it costed everyone. Yeah, at the end, at, at so the end of the that. day, it came down to scheduling, and that was where it was real piss poor because we didn't see the same competition. Conferences didn't see the same competition, and we saw that, you know, with all these upsets that we had. And I'm sorry that you guys had to listen to 40 minutes of just straight up awful picks, but that's March, and that's what I love about this tournament. That's what I. You're still an asshole for not picking yeah, on school. I know. No matter what Look, the argument is, you're still I'm a dick, an asshole. I'm a dick, but it, but 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 you can't say I don't have a reason. At least I do have a reason, and that's because my sports pure teams, dickhead. No, that's because move. my pure my sports move. teams continue continue to give me pain every single year in year that's out. Fine. And guess what? Now Danny Cruz has three players in the transfer pool, so it's even more pain. It's even that's more fine. Danny Dimes pain. is taking us to the Super Bowl. Yeah, this year. Mara thinks he's a Super that's Bowl fine. quarterback. So. Yeah. Super Bowl QB. So, uh, yeah, with that, um, hopefully next year we'll we'll get after it again and have better picks. This is the Tag Team Podcast. Stay tuned. You know, if I could have used the Masters music to intro back into this segment i would have because that would have been incredible uh ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the tag team podcast i'm your host anthony tartaglione and my brother is actually not here for this segment because today we're talking about the masters and let me tell you something about the masters it is the greatest golf tournament ever and in order to talk about the greatest golf tournament ever i have to bring on my most knowledgeable friend about golf. My roommate, one of my best friends for the past three years. I love this guy to death. It's Matthew Kamamoto. Well, How you doing, Matthew? Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure to be here. I've, uh, I'm a big fan of the podcast, obviously. And I like to think we are brothers. You know, yeah, and, yeah uh, exactly. Well, we, yeah. we do live together. Yeah, we um, do. So, yeah, not biological, is, but, you know, yeah, exactly. we're still brothers. This is the first time that I've had any of my roommates on the podcast. Um, and what a better, what a better story than to have Matthew on for the masters. You know, it's funny because when I started, when Johnny and I decided to start the tag team podcast back in January, uh, we thought about it and we were like, we got to have, be able to have certain segments on certain things. And I said, well, how are we going to talk about golf? Because 
I play, right. you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge golfer. Oh. My brother knows dog shit about the sport. <laughs> he knows nothing. He couldn't tell you the difference between Xander Shoffley and Max Homa. Right. Like he doesn't know. Like he doesn't get down at the depth. Like he knows the big names, but he doesn't. Like obviously, he follows the game of golf. He understands the game itself. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He knows what these tournaments are, and he understands the significance. But right. he can't give a good statistical analysis and give a good analysis. And he's like, "Fuck it, dude. I'll sit out. I don't yeah. really care." And as much as he uh, would love to be here, he just. He just is like, you know what? You and Matthew would have a great time ripping it up talking about the Masters. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Yeah, well, thank you, Johnny. I, I appreciate filling your shoes a little. They're big shoes to fill. What can I say? But I'm glad to be here. But I knew whenever it came April that Matthew was going to be the guest host for the Masters. Listen, that's what I knew. I knew. You know, right off the bat. I think April's the best time of the year. And the Masters to me always signifies springtime. And, you know, I grew up on the West Coast, so I never had winters. But. You know, I would watch on CVS with the the beautiful Jim Nance's voice, and I would see the azaleas and the beautiful dogwood pine trees, and I would feel like I would get that sense of really good springtime. And, you know, it's just, it's a wonderful feeling. Across the country, people are united this week. It's the best week of the year, in my opinion. It's the best weekend of the year. And, you know, we, we got a lot to get into, and I, I'm just excited. I'm excited to... You know, rip it up a little bit. So, so the running joke is that we're never together on Masters weekend. Yeah. So since our freshman year, um, I was in Florida um, whenever Tiger won it. Yeah. And it was uh, a crushing thing because Tony and I, you know, obviously Tiger had you know come back from his you know fourth back surgery, and he was making the comeback in 2018. And it was funny because I was in um, back home in San Francisco when Tiger won the Tour Championship. And that was a big moment because me and Tony had known like in the year before that he was going to win. I mean, he was looking good. We saw him in the match play in Austin and he was, you know, he was playing good. And, you know, we just thought at some point he was going to win again. And then he wanted the tour championship. And I wasn't, I wasn't in Syracuse. No, the tour championship. But I remember I FaceTimed you. I did. As he was I walking remember. down and the crowd was coming behind him. Yeah. It was a sight to see. I'll and never forget that. I, I never forget it either. I mean, you know, his last victory before then was in 2014 and it was it's been a long time and we hadn't seen it in a long time we never thought he would win again so it was a, it was a monumentous crowd it was a monumentous moment and i think it was sad because I, I i couldn't look at tony in, in the living room and be like there's there's my guy so anyways that happened and then it come april 2019 um tony had gone to visit his family they did a family vacation in florida and i was you know in uh snowy syracuse it was still really bad weather then. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, the weekend had come and Tiger put himself in, you know, he was not, he was one, two strokes back going into Sunday. And I, I had a good feeling and Tony was in Florida and he also had a good feeling and, you know, the ultimate choke by Francesco Molinari. I mean, the 12 <laughs> hole and it, it was crazy. I mean, once you saw, you saw Kepka and the group ahead put in the water, and then you saw Finau and Molinari put in the water, and Tiger safely puts it 50 feet to the pin but makes par on the 12th hole, and then that started the kick of one of the greatest comebacks of all time. But well, again, Tiger, yeah, three birdies there on the back nine there in 2019 to come back and win that. that 16th was... hole. Yeah. <laughs> Bern Lonquist, he said, um, I'm compelled to say, Oh my goodness. And that will stick in my head for the rest <laughs> of my life. It is probably goes down as one of my most momentous, monumental calls, yeah. in my opinion. So Yeah, obviously the Masters means a lot to us. Yeah. And I'm sure to all golf fans out here who are listening to this podcast, this means a lot to them too, because 
there's just no better time. No, dude. there it really is. isn't. And you know, it was weird this past fall having it in November. Yeah. And the fun fact about the joke is it continued because I wasn't there again for Master's no. Weekend. Yeah, so I think you had gone home early and I was I was the only one in the apartment and it was funny. I was watching it and it was eerie because it was it was different. Again, you know how I talked about, you know, I felt like springtime in April, but in November, you know, the green the greens were very receptive and the trees were like turning colors it was beautiful in the fall i mean again augusta is one of the most beautiful golf courses in the entire world there's no denying about that but again it didn't feel like a masters and to not have you there it just didn't feel like an actual like a real major i was like this is weird like yeah again where where's tony like where 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 are we on masters weekend so i would have to agree with jim nance when he says that the masters and augusta in general is when the golfer gets there he can choose whether or not he wants to attack the course. Yeah. It's based off of your skill and your ability to play that course. And when Jim Nance puts it best in saying that it is made to your skill, he's so right. Yeah. Every time he says it, I'm like, that is so true. That Because he, he repeatedly says it over his broadcast that players, when they want to attack that course, they have to make the decision to attack it. Yeah. And if you fail, it's going to hurt. Well, yeah. Hurt. I mean, it definitely will. I mean, again... We've seen it in Amen Corner. I mean, tons of players miscalculate. They either put it in the water in 12 or they miss their approach and, and, you know, put it in the water in 13. I mean, we saw today, I was watching the feature coverage uh, in the morning with uh, Adam Scott and um, Billy Horschel. And Adam Scott, I mean, he had a horrible day today. I mean, he finished, I believe he finished 12 over. And the thing about it was he put it in the water and Billy Horschel also put it in the water. I mean, like, those ca- miscalculations will cost you big time. I could never imagine being at the the corner and just down the stretch knowing I have to hit a good shot, having to make that tough decision. As a golfer, to put yourself in that mindset on a Sunday round right. or on moving day, it's such it's such a time where you have to take and manage the course to the correct conditions in every single facet. So you're looking at wind, you're looking yeah. at conditions, the hardness right. of the ground, because right. we saw that no. today. Yeah, we you did. Know, we had an hour and 17 minute rain delay. Yes, big, uh, excuse me, I just wanna fix my correction. Adam Scott finished 10 over, not 12, but let's get back to the rain delay. And that's a big momentum changer. I mean, definitely, I mean, we saw that. And whenever there's a rain delay or weather delay, and there frequently is at Augusta, I mean, it's nothing that's new. And we've seen it across the years. Um, it is a big momentum changer. And it, it's the difference from when a, a, um, a group goes off before, you know, the weather delay, the course plays totally different, you know, and then after the course plays totally different. And we saw that with, you know, um, Justin Rose and Hideki Matsuyama and Xander Shoffley and the players who went off right before the rain delay and then they saw the back nine after the rain delay and there's a big momentum changer and scoring changer yeah so it's currently saturday night and uh we just got done watching the moving day of the masters for you guys who are watching this podcast after it's finished and concluded we don't know who's gonna win yet and that's why i told matthew i said we have to film it saturday night in between the rounds because that way we can talk about what's happened and what we think is going to happen because i think there's a facet of excitement into what's coming into sunday totally especially since we saw what happened today with the rain delay yeah you look at the rain delay the field going into that before 350 whenever the rain delay happened uh the field was plus 27 yeah 
The rain delay happens an hour and 17 minutes. They come back out around 5 o'clock. And right after that, the field finished what? What'd you say? It was minus? Nine under. Yeah, nine under. So, And that's huge. I mean, look at that. Just shows you. And I think what's interesting is the players came into Thursday and they had all had their news conferences on Wednesday and Tuesday. And they noted how fast the Greens were playing. And I think it was Augusta Nationals' reaction to the November Masters. We saw in November, Dustin Johnson. His final score was 20 under, which is a record-setting scoring at Augusta in the Masters. We've never seen that before. Partly because, again, in November... Augusta plays a lot more. It doesn't play as firm. It's much more receptive to the greens. The players can plot and pick a point to land the ball, and it'll probably stay. So they were they were putting it on the green. They were having you know birdie putts that were within five feet, and sometimes I mean it was really receptive. The green was playing slow, so it was a lot easier to putt. And again, this week we saw the players were noting. Adam Scott said, who had won the Masters in 2013, he said he'd never seen the gusts of the speed of the greens this fast. And going into Thursday, we saw that. We saw it, players who played like, you know, Colin Morikawa and Matthew Wolf. they had played their first Masters in November. They did not understand what Augusta was going to throw at them. They did not understand a traditional Masters. So they were going out there thinking they can, you know, pin seek and plot the ball really close and land it without it moving very far. But no. Balls were rolling out the green. You know, people were putting way past the pin. People were putting short, I mean, short of the pin. We just saw it. It was a mess, you know? And again, people were like, okay, this is crazy. And today we saw a totally different thing. We saw, you know, as the weekend progressed, we saw Augusta National becoming a lot more forgiving. We saw players attacking more. And we just, we saw a much different golf course, I believe, than what we saw on Wednesday and Thursday. I would say, for me, the headlines that have stood out to me was Thursday was the Justin Rose show. I mean, yeah, 65 no. on the card, 7 under, commanding start to start this tournament. Yeah, You know, obviously he's plateaued a little bit. And then Friday, I think the big story was Spieth's move. You know, yeah. his, his his progression to the yeah. top of the leaderboard. Yeah. And then coming into today, I want to talk about the run of Hideki Matsuyama. I do too. I think, I mean, it's it's kind of fascinating to me. I mean, he, uh, today, I... I'm I'm not exactly sure. Let's just Well, he was 400 coming into yes, today. Yes. He was. Yeah. And, you know, to see that run after the rain delay was monumental. I think that we haven't seen a run like that in forever. No. And you know what? It's funny cuz I was talking to a couple of my buddies while we were watching the uh the broadcast today and Hideki has always been there. Hideki, you can always spot Hideki in the contention, especially at the Masters. Um, I saw Hideki play at the 2019 U.S. Open, and it's funny because I think Hideki is a player. Hideki has a lot of weight on his shoulders. He's playing for Japan. There's not, there's no other really famous Japanese golfer to that caliber. So the whole Japan is kind of like on his shoulders. And when I was at the 2019 Masters, uh, excuse me, U.S. Open. I was on uh, the 10th tee on Thursday. It was the start of the uh, start of the U.S. Open. It was me and my dad, and a bunch of Japanese people came up, and they were rooting for Deki. And it was probably like 12 people, and they were just falling. They were Hideki groupies, and Hideki really thrives, you know. And he's a really good golfer in the majors, and we've seen that. And and I, I'm glad that he's in contention now. And I think he he's at that level where he can break through right now. I think he's been one of the big names in golf, and I think that he deserves to have a major championship. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's important to look at the fact that he would be the first Japanese-American, yeah. he'd be the first Japanese, Japanese player, player yeah. 
to win, win a major. Win a major. Yes. And it's that to me is that me that that goes to your point in saying that like Japan's got the whole root for him because right. he's the only one he's they've the got. And I can understand yeah. why he's got that pressure. Right. Because I mean, he, he hasn't done it yet. Right. He hasn't raised the Masters trophy no. yet. Or he hasn't raised any major trophy no. to that facet. You know what's interesting is you know, in twenty eleven his debut, he won the low amateur. And, and that was obviously the 2011 Masters was when Rory lost the four-shot lead going into, you know, that's the famous Rory McIlroy collapse, right, that he'll probably never recover. Or we hope, as Rory fans, we hope he recovers that someday. But it'll haunt him to this day. But anyways, Hideki proved that, you know, as an amateur, he could go out and shoot the low amateur and win it. And he's always liked Augusta, and we've always seen him in semi-contention or in contention we've always seen him towards the top of the leaderboard and going into sunday i think you know with a four shot lead he's got a comfortable where you can go to bed tonight and he doesn't have much to worry about i think he'll probably go out tomorrow and hit a couple balls before the range but i think if he can goes in level-headed tomorrow and if the conditions are not you know if they're semi if they stay sort of what they were today before the rain delay i think he can go out and shoot a lot number again yeah, I have to agree with you. You know that that run between that that's that sixty five today, matching Justin Rose's low score of the tournament sixty five, it puts him in commanding position going into tomorrow. Totally. And I think that this whole pressure that's built around him is going to make or break him tomorrow. Oh yeah. And I know that obviously he had nice conditions to go in, but still, if he didn't three putt there on thirteen. He probably would have shot a twenty nine on the back nine. Yeah. He probably would have shot a twenty nine on the back nine. So I, that's a pretty, that's a pretty yeah. fire, hot ass fucking finish to that fucking round. Yeah, I mean sixteen. I'll say I I, I was watching him on sixteen, and um, you know he made, I believe he made a birdie on sixteen. Yeah, he stuck at the five feet. Yeah, he did. And I remember just seeing his commanding look in his eye, you know. And I saw, and sixteen is one of the whole my favorite hold of Augusta because you can really see it's that point in the round where on Saturday it's towards the end of players' rounds, so either they are really into what they're doing or they're really not. Adam Scott today again ten over. I saw him on sixteen. He looked horrible. He shot over the green. And he just was, you know, he was not having it. But Hideki was laser focused in. And you can tell when a player's like really like pumped up and into it. They were, they're in a zone. And Hideki really was just pin seeking. And I really, I was just like fascinated to watch him. I was, it was really fun. I mean, that showed no bogeys today. None. But first bogey free round of the tournament from anybody. And, you know, if he can follow that up tomorrow with a no bogey free round, I think he'll be the champion. Yeah. I think no doubt that if, you know, even if he was to shoot, I think 11 under is going to be. Right in that range of what's going to win. Totally. I, I don't know, because Hideki could go on another run tomorrow. Well, But I have a yeah. feeling that they're going to prep this course to be tough. Because, you know, they got the rain tonight. Right. So they're doing everything in their power to get a condition for I tomorrow. Think, I think we're going to see some really crazy pin locations. And I think that's, you know, it's going to make up for players really need to strategically place the ball in order to hit those approach shots on the green. And you know what I love about Augusta National is... It's really about the approach shots. I mean, again, your tee shots, you have pretty wide fairway. The rough is not any U.S. Open rough. Like, the really the thing that makes Augusta National, it's not a very long course, but what makes it really major contender is the greens. And to me, when I see players miscalculate the pin by a yard, don't they land it on a different plateau, the ball completely. I mean, we saw this with the sixth hole on the round two with Justin Rose. He tried to hit... His birdie putt, 
I mean, it was like 70 feet or something crazy. And he uh, totally miscalculated. It landed right on the edge of a plateau and rolled right back to his feet. I mean, that's Augusta National for you right there. And and we saw the greens this, like I said earlier, the greens were very dry. They were very firm. And you can see the round patches on the green. So obviously, Augusta National had prepped it. So it was, you know, they had overseeded and they'd seeded early for November. So... You know, they're dry greens. They're rolling pretty fast. But again, it's like that pin placement. That's that's what I think is going to be crazy tomorrow. I'm just so looking forward. I have a golf tournament in the morning. Yeah. This is so fun. <laughs> uh, I'm actually currently in second in my golf tournament. Yeah, so and, we, hope, we hope Tony. And I'm going to be, I'm gonna be on the course. I'm going to be Spirit. on the course tomorrow playing in my own tournament with my own pressure of trying to win while also with the anxiety of watching who's going to win the Masters. Yeah. And I tell you what, as soon as my round ends, I have an hour drive back home from Rochester to Syracuse. Yeah. I am going to dart it so yeah. I can get back for the end of that round. I do have a 10, so I should I should make it back for the end yeah. of the tournament. Fingers crossed. But I'll tell you what. I think that Hideki's actually going to do it. I think he's going to come out too. tomorrow champion because he played to a 65 on moving day. You want to talk about how confident that is and how well that puts you in yeah. a position? You come in with a bogey-free round. It's like the only way you can screw up at this point is that if you do mismanagement at a high level. Yeah. I think if he keeps doing what he's doing and he keeps this swagger, this momentum. I mean, you even saw it on 18. He pulled it 20 yards past the hole. Yeah. Or 20 yards past the flag. Stuck into two feet. Tapped in for yeah. par. You know, he was dialed in. He's like, all right, I hit a bad shot. Let me come right back and hit a dime. Yeah. And I, that's the confidence that you see in major winners. Yeah, you do. That's something that you see in somebody who wants to be out there. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. I think you made the point earlier about this course playing a lot easier in November. I think that's what got DeChambeau to struggle like he did. Yeah. Because, you know, he called it a par 67. Yeah. And to that facet, it has not been a par 67 for no. him. No, 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 no. And I think it's the whole differential of the conditions. I think right. it all has to do with conditions. Totally. No, I definitely think so. Um, you know, it, I think what I love about Augusta is there's such an allure. You know, we've all seen it on TV, and players growing up, they watched it on TV, and they've known this course for basically their whole lives. But, you know, being there, you know, I've never been there, but people say being there doesn't put it justice. I mean, the the course will tear you up. Yeah. And it has, it's it's not, there's no remorse. And I None. think that's crazy. It looks so super gentle and stuff and looks so beautiful and, and pristine. But man, oh man, if you don't, if you don't treat it right, it will tear you up. And I think that's the importance of being experienced in these majors. I know that to see Augusta National for the first time as somebody who's their first time on tour has got to be a daunting thing right. to see. And so I'm, I'm curious. I, I think I kind of want to talk about Will Zal- Zalatoris for yeah. a second. Meaning okay, we talked about seeing your first time in Augusta. And mm-hmm. This is a guy who his first Masters, he's tied for second going into the final round. I think that's incredible. I think his story is incredible. Not securing any status on any of the tours. Currently, he's not a PGA Tour card holder. And he went into this Masters, and he had a great quote. He said, um, if I'm crazy enough to play here, I'm crazy enough to win. Like, that's, I mean, to me, it's 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 an, it's an a great story. And we love to see these. We love to see. It's like, you know, March Madness, the Cinderella stories, you know. And, and this is one of those where it's like, it's it's cool. It's cool to watch. People around the nation are going, Zala who? Yeah. And I'll tell you what. If he makes a run tomorrow and wins the whole thing, 
That'll be awesome. Right. I'll I, tell you what. I know a lot of people will be upset because they probably nobody bet on Zalatoris. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, people are going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. But to see that for the facet of the game in golf and see, you know, last Masters felt like the course just got destroyed. I felt know. like it just got absolutely belittled. I didn't like it, to be honest and, with you. You know, for somebody like Zalatoris to come out here and say, wow, all these players are now struggling on this course, and I can come out and be the diamond in the rough and win it? I mean, that that would be a heck of a story. Yeah. That would be one hell of a story. And I think it's interesting, his story. I mean, like, I was hearing Jim Nance talk about how um, at the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am this year, um, Jim Nance was saying that if Tony Roma had... Texted Jim Nance saying, hey, if you see the tournament director, you know, because Jim Nance lives in Pebble Beach and he's very affiliated with, you know, the Pebble Beach Brim. Tony Romo, who's a frequent player in the Pebble Beach Brim, requested Jim Nance to ask if Tony Romo can play with Will because he saw that he's known Will and he's seen him at Wake Forest and how good of a player he is and how, you know, he would rise up and be one of the elite top 10 players in the world. And he was like, this kid is it. And we've seen it this weekend. I was just, I was blown away. I'm like, who is Zalatoris? I honestly was asking the same question. Because this is not a field of small names out no. here right now. No, 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 no. There's a lot of big names there at the top of the leaderboard. And it's, it's going to be a hell of a show tomorrow. And I, you know what? With, with with the call, with Jim Nance on the call, I am just so so looking forward to sitting on the couch and watching it after you know getting after being done with my golf tournament. Hopefully winning. No, no. Well, hopefully, now here's the thing: if yeah, I win my golf tournament, winning is their yeah. golf tournament. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know we can we can only we can only fucking hope. You yeah, know, yeah, I can yeah. fucking shank one right, or yeah. I, you know, the duck hook could come back see, out tomorrow. See, yeah. I can be four putting every fucking green. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I may be a decent golfer, but I'm no fucking PGA professional. You know, I, I, I can still screw up. I mean, I shot 90, like 90 last week. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it happens, you know. It's just, I love the tournament feel. I love the ability to go out there Me and too. play competitively. Yeah. And I can only imagine right. what the scale is right. of Augusta. Right. You know, I see a lot of small tournaments. And I'm thinking, these players, these big names are probably like, I don't even care to be in this tournament. I'm only here for one purpose, and that's to win a major. Yeah. And... I just know that, like, you have four rounds of golf, right? Yeah. There's four rounds. And in those four rounds, you have to make a decision throughout those four rounds every single five minutes that is going to determine whether you win millions of dollars. Well, it, That it, amount of yeah. pressure is unreal. It is. It is. And it's funny. I mean, like, as you're a tournament player, and, and so am I, and, like, our tournaments are normally two rounds, right? So, but even then, it's like you walk, you played the first round, and you're, you know, on the front nine, your first for a round, and you're thinking, man, the the shots I make or the decision right now could affect tomorrow, you know? And it's always like you're looking into the future, like those rounds ahead, like, hey, if I double bogey this hole, like this is, I'm gonna have to make it up on the back, or I'm gonna have to make it up tomorrow, and like you're making this. Obviously, we don't play for money, but these players, I mean, like. It's not only money at this point. It's 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 the thing of getting into the elitist club in golf. If you win the Masters, it's probably you're considered a greater player than any other major. You're part of an elite club, and it's funny we, you know, we have or the Augusta National always has the Champions Center every Tuesday of Masters week, and it just shows you how well Augusta treats their past champions and 
how the status you get. I mean, nobody knows what goes on in those rooms. And it's just like the allure of Jack Nicholas. Um, you know, you have Gary Player, you have Tiger Woods, Fuzzy Zeller. You know I mean, you have all these great names, Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, and these legends of the sport and the game who inspire us players, you know, these youngsters to go out there and to be, I mean, Tiger Woods changed the whole face of an era of golfers, right? And you, as a player, they're, they're making these decisions in the early rounds that could affect their entire career and their legacy. That's a big thing. There's so much weight to this tournament, and that's what makes Augusta National and the Masters so amazing. You know, it's, we wait for this all year. You know, when this sadly ends tomorrow, you know, afternoon, I'm going to have to wait 365 days for another Masters. And that's a hard thing, you know. It, it, and we were kind of blessed, you know. We in were blessed in November. We were saying it. We yeah. were like, you know, at least we only got six months to the next Exactly. One. And we were like, you know what, this is nice. And I forgot, you know, when, when, when this week came around, I was like, oh, my God, like, it's the Masters again. And I was like, this is weird. It feels like yesterday. And, yeah. But, again, it's, in a normal year, it's it's a hard thing to spoil because, you know, we love this tournament so much. And, and again, these players, they love this tournament so much. And it means a lot. That's why people are. That's why players and people are so invested in this. How great is it to see people out there, though? Like, oh, I love the patrons. <laughs> see, here's the thing for me: patrons really change the face of a golf tournament. They change it. I mean, we saw in the Tiger Woods era, fans would gather around and rally around Tiger Woods, and that would kind of intimidate. They would totally intimidate the other field, the rest of the field, and players would kind of sink when they saw the big mass. Again, we talked about. You know, the 2018 Tour Championship. When we saw, there were mobs of crowds behind Tiger Woods as he walked up the 18th fairway at Eastlake. You know, and, and it just shows you the patrons are a big part of what a golf tournament is. If you guys want to see what we're talking about with the patrons and the effect on the atmosphere, I want you to, after you listen to this podcast, go to YouTube, go wherever, look up Tiger Woods Waste Management 16th hole hole in one. Crazy. Watch that crowd. He did the raise the roof. <laughs> Watch that crowd in that moment. And that is the allure of a golf tournament that I love. It's the atmosphere of fans being there. And you look at last year during the pandemic. Yeah. It didn't feel the same watching no. those tournaments. No, no, no. It especially the majors. Yeah. Especially the it majors. It fucking hurt. Especially. You know, um, you know, the first major was the 2020 PGA Championship, um, and that was the first major to have no fans ever. And it was funny because that was played in, in my in one of my home courses. So I was actually in I was in San Francisco when it happened, and we were all lined up against the fence, and we were looking into you know see all the players play it, and it just it felt I don't it felt different. It didn't feel like a major, and it was hard because it was like. These players didn't get the energy, and there wasn't the same allure and the roar that you get in, in a normal major. And it was hard to see, like, tournament golf. Obviously, we were blessed to have majors. We were blessed to have the PGA play during the pandemic. I mean, we could have had no golf for a year, and that would have been a miserable. Really, really <laughs> miserable thing, right? But at the same time, it wasn't like that energy you get. You don't get the fist pumps. You don't get, like, the big celebrations if you make a clutch birdie or, you know, par putt. We didn't see that. We didn't see the electricity in the air. And it was hard because, like, we love the animation. We love when players get into it because it gets us into it. As fans, we're really invested in the success of the players. And we're invested in seeing a show. It's a show. Yeah. You know, golf, people say golf is a boring sport. And I, I, and I, I, I could see where they say that, but I'm, I always tell people, like, just watch. Just, like, 
watch and see like how players interact with fans how fans interact with players and how they feed off of each other i mean it's a, it's a wonderful thing to see and it's a wonderful th thing to see patrons back at augusta because it's the hardest golf tournament to ever attend and it's something that tony and i like we haven't attended and something that is definitely number one probably on our bucket list and if we ever get to the chance to get to augusta we're definitely going no matter what the circumstances is you know it's it's a lifelong dream. Yeah, because we've both been to majors before, but we yeah. have never been to the Masters. And the Masters would be, you know, it would just be amazing. And and you see the patrons there, they're they're loyal. They've been for 30 years plus. They keep their tickets going and they love Augusta. And you know what I think is awesome about again the patron experience at Augusta is the no phones rule. I think that's amazing because you see fans respecting the game, interacting in the game the way they should and just you know, it's hard. It's like when you see at a golf tournament, people like holding up their phone. Obviously, you will love a video, but at the same time, people watch the golf through their phones. They don't see it with their eyes necessarily when they're filming. But Augusta, you see that energy. You see the feeding into the players, and you see that as a response. It's the, the immersion into the sport. It is. Now, yeah. off that point, I want to make something that I highly disagree with the PGA been doing, and I want to highly disagree with something that has been happening that really bothers me, and that's them going back and looking at microscopic slow-mo cameras to assess penalties. Oh, totally. Um, we've seen it a couple times. We saw it yesterday in the sand bunker. Who was it? Oh, um, um, somebody got a two-stroke penalty because they barely touched the sand. What's his name? I don't remember who it was, but they barely got a two-stroke penalty because they barely grazed the sand when it came down, and they weren't assessed it until after the round because yeah. they went back and looked at the slow-mo cam and saw that he grazed three grains of sand, and it bumped down. And one Listen. thing, it actually worsened his lie. One, because he didn't have enough sand. No. He actually knocked sand down that wasn't there for him to hit and get right. grip on. Right, so right. it was actually a disadvantage to him, and he was still assessed the penalty. Now, if you're Patrick Reed in the bunker, well, that's I was gonna a different say, story. You're like, Listen, that's like, a different that's story. That's a clear, like... That's a different story, but he didn't... <laughs> that's a different story. That's cheating. There's a big difference between no. cheating and the little things. Yeah. You look at... Yeah. You look at what happened last year... I forgot who it was. They won the tournament. They shot. They ended up shooting nine under instead of eleven. They ended up winning the tournament. But they were assessed. They chipped in on sixteen from the par three on the way yeah. back down. Oh my god! And they yeah, were assessed a two-stroke penalty after the fact too. But they still ended up winning the tournament. Right. But you think about it, and if you don't see it in the moment as a golfer, there's enough integrity to the game. There's enough integrity to who these people are. They're professionals. Right. This is the fucking masters. The PGA does not need, and the USGA does not need to sit there and look at the most microscopic cameras no. to see that one little thing was changed. Now, if you're cheating and you're moving your ball, that's if a whole different story. If you're, if you're fixating your lies, yeah. if you're fixating your lies, yeah, I think you should be disqualified because that you're in that professional of a mood and you shouldn't be cheating. Right. Like I don't tolerate cheating at all as a golfer. No, I, I, I you know, I take Shaving it to strokes. Yeah. No, you know, I take it to the utmost respect because it's like at the end of the day, the only person you're cheating is yourself. No cold. And I get it for these players; they're in it for the money. Right. But still, that's why I think that when you're cheating. You should be kicked out because you don't deserve to be in the money. Yeah. But the PGA has got to do a better job of staying off of the little things that make us annoyed with them. Right. Because that bothered me. It's like, well, it, he grazed. Yeah. He that barely touched the sand. It did not yeah. affect his shot. It did right. not change how he scored no, in that yeah, hole. Yeah. The golfers that were playing in the group didn't see him. The spectators that were watching him didn't see him. No. If the natural human eye can't see it, it shouldn't be a penalty. And you know, that penalty And that's something that has to be really, changed. Really the PGA needs off. to do a better fucking job. Yeah, and that penalty really ticked me off too because even the best golfers and the most average golfers, right? We all, like, 
three grains of stand. Like, it's not going to be perfect. No matter, your your lies are so different in bunkers that, you know, it. you, you can't, there's no, it's impossible to not hit any ground sand on the way down. I mean, like, on the uptake or the way down. I mean, it's really hard. And I think that was, it really ticked me off because, it, you know, it's like the spirit shouldn't be penalizing, you know, after the fact. And that's, it's a sad thing. And I thought it was egregious. I was like, you know what, that's stupid. Yeah, there's four, there's four components. You got the ground, you have the water, right. you have the, and you have the, you have the hole and you have the stick. Those, the, and you have your club, you have five components. Those things are the only things that created the game, and the natural human eye yeah. was the only ruler of that game for centuries. Yeah. Centuries. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. game has never, no. never lost integrity. Exactly. We've always seen it between golfers. When it comes to tournaments of the standard, you don't need a fucking camera no. to tell somebody what's wrong and what's not. Right. It wasn't there five, 50 years ago. Right. So why is it there now? Right. It's, it's, it, it bothers me, because yeah. to me, it's not golf at that point. It's just nitpick. And yeah, like you said, the integrity. I mean, most players... I think it takes away from the integrity. Yeah, it does. But I think most players on the PGA have very good integrity. And we've seen it where players are like, oh, like, I want to call rules official over here. Like, I accidentally did this and I want to make sure that it's noted. Like, hey, I accidentally, like, clipped a bunker or something like that. And, you know, I want to make sure that it's... You know, there's a lot of integrity. Because players respect the game on the PGA Tour. And we see that they they're invested in the game, and they want to make sure that you know they're playing to the utmost respect of the game. Yeah. All right. One final question: Who do you think is going to win tomorrow? I knew I knew you were going to ask this question. I mean, I have to. I mean, it's a big question, right? We're going into the week. We're thinking who's going to win the Masters. Um, listen, I don't want to discount Justin Rose. I think you know he shot seven under on Thursday. He shot thirty six on the front on. Friday, then saved it with the 33 on the back to shoot even par. He then shot even par today. I think, you know, he stayed in it, and he's already been through a lot of turmoil, and he's, you know, he saved his round on two occasions. I don't want to discredit or discount him, but I liked Hideki Masuyama going with the four-shot lead. I liked how he looked today, bogey-free round. I think that's incredible. I mean, obviously, with golf, things change in an instant. You know, it could be the luck of a one lucky break to win a tournament or nothing, you know, especially at the Masters. I mean, that's like, lucky breaks is everything. I mean, you look at Fred Couples in the 12th hole and he won his Masters because the ball stayed up and didn't roll into Ray's Creek. Lucky breaks. I'm going to go with Hideki. I know that's probably like the crowd favorite, but I just... That's my pick too. What I saw from him today, I mean, he really, really, he performed at a level that is a major champion level. Yeah, exactly. I'd have to highly agree with you. Now, here's the other question. Who who do you want to see win? I want to see Hideki win. I mean, I think... That, <laughs> Same answer. Well, here's the thing. I, I like Hideki, and I think it goes back to my thing of when I saw the crowd at the 2019 US Open, when they were all pulling. There was 12 people. They ran up to the tee box, and me and my dad were standing there, and he teed off at... And God, it was probably like... 8.30 or 9. It was so early in the morning. And me and my dad were pretty much the only ones on that 10th tee box. And they were like 12 to 13 people. And they were following Hideki. And he's got the country of Japan behind him. And people want to see him win. They're invested in They love Hideki. And I think that would be such a great story. You know? And to be a Masters champion, I mean, that would mean the world to him and to the country of Japan. Yeah. I, I want to see Zalatoris win. You know, I want I, I want to see, see Zalatoris yeah. win for the simple fact of 
He, he's not searching for a card. No. But yet it shows the world that golf is playable by anybody and can be won by anybody. Yeah. And I love that statement because the go- golf should be a sport for everybody, no matter your age, right. no matter no matter whether no matter whether you're a girl or a guy, it mm-hmm. it, it should be uh, for everybody. Everybody should be able to go out to the course and have a good time. I agree. And to see somebody like Zalatoris, who doesn't have this recognition that everybody right. else does, he's been kicking ass this weekend. Yeah, he has. And to see him go out there and win would be phenomenal. Well, I would know, just love it. It would also be historic. I mean, the last person to win a Masters on their debut would be Fuzzy Zeller in 1976. And, you know, we never see this happen. And it, for, for me, it's like, it's amazing. It, it, it really shows you like, you know what, you can go in to the biggest stages of golf. I mean, this is the biggest stage in golf, the biggest stage in the golf calendar year. And you can go and you can just play level-headed. You can just play this game, the sport you've probably been playing for all your life and exactly. not think different about it and just go in level-headed. It's another tournament, even though obviously it's not, but you can play it like another tournament and you can win. And you have that self-motivation. And, well, he's playing. He has nothing to lose here. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Well, I'm sad that, that this is all the time we have. Because I know. I'll tell you what. This is going to be a long fucking episode. So I thank you guys for thank sticking you. through yeah. <laughs> the hour. I, I, you know, it's been a minute since we posted a podcast, though. So to be fair, these people have been waiting for it. They've yeah. been itching to get their tattoo. And they knew it was Masters Oh, week, Masters so, Week. Yeah, we're just waiting to hear oh, from you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this this podcast does not have a sponsor yet. Uh, if you guys would like to sponsor this podcast, please hit me up on Instagram at Anthony Tartaglione or on Twitter at Tony Tartaglione. Uh, you can also hit up my brother at JTags99 on Instagram or at JTags19 on Twitter. So please, if you guys want to grow the podcast with us, we'd love to have you. Um, it's a great podcast. I, you it's know, a wonderful, I, I, I'm I'm a frequent <laughs> listener. I like it. I listen it to it. You know, on my way to classes, or you know, when it first came out, you know, I would have long road trips, and I, well, would I appreciate just, that. I, and I love it. I mean, it's great. And the rapport you and Johnny have, it's a great chemistry. And you know, I get I get a kick out of it. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, they're probably gonna notice after the segment that we just went a whole thirty minutes in this podcast without me getting shit on one time. And that is so fascinating because <laughs> I can't go five fucking minutes with my brother here without him calling me an idiot, yeah, something, yeah, some kind of name. Yeah. I can't go five minutes without it. And I'll also tell you one thing. I spent this whole entire segment without saying the word preface. So for all of you people out there who know the fucking running joke, I fucking didn't do it this segment. I may have done it yep. in the March Madness segment, but I didn't fucking do it this segment. It's more class. <laughs> the Masters has more class. More class. More yeah, class. But yeah. it's it's still the same. It's still the same entertainment. And I hope yeah. you guys really did enjoy this episode. I really hope that you guys do get to hear tomorrow. Hello, friends. I mean, it's the best <laughs> words of golf. We wait an entire year to see that. To hear uh, it, so. It's incredible. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we have another guest coming up soon on the podcast. I hope I'm really excited for that guest. And I think it's going to be a good time. Matthew, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It was an incredible time. I just want to say all the listeners out there, have a great Masters Sunday. If you have a chance, at least five minutes or something, just sit down and watch a little bit. It will, you'll totally experience it. You'll totally, you know, thank the Masters for even being on. I mean, it's an incredible experience. You'll just enjoy it. So have a good time, guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll catch you in the next one. Give it to me, Matthew. Da-na-na-na-na-na. Da-na-na-na-na. Da-na-na-na-na. Da-na-na-na-na.
Banner, 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 banner. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. Oh. Uh.